Welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm your host, Christopher Giel, and with this show, my mission is to empower you. I want to inspire those who have forgotten their true worth, their highest potential, and their ultimate capability. I'll be exploring topics that are aimed towards personal growth to help you gain insight and approach life with new perspectives. I want you to increase your impact and help you live a more fulfilling life because limited thinking equals limited being. Let the show begin. Hi there, guys, and welcome to episode number eight. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. Uh, and if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, now is that time. Please subscribe on the platform that you are currently listening on. And then second of all, we've also got a Facebook community where we are going to be deep diving into these discussions and more after the episode has released, just to, so we can discuss a little bit more about what happened, what we spoke about, and just get a little bit more insight on what I mean with all the things that I say in the show. So yeah, it's there to, the, the platform is there for us to collaborate and support one another towards becoming a higher version of ourselves. So for today's episode, I interviewed a man by the name of Dennis R. Sumlin, and he's a, he's a blind guy. He was actually born with glaucoma in his one eye. And at the age of 11, he lost his sight in both his eyes, basically. He's a communication and self-development coach and public speaker. He is from New York, and in his valley, he typically helps young men to communicate better and to live their purpose. Dennis has also been a podcaster since 2003, so it's been quite a while. Quite a while. He is a veteran in this industry, and he's also the founder of the Core Confidence Life Core Confidence Life is a talent promotion and coaching service that basically helps authors, voice artists, and podcasters in general to communicate effectively, uh, to strengthen their confidence, and to polish their brand. He works with people who have a personal development, social conscious, or even educational focus to their message. And through his courses, his network, his internet radio station, and other resources, he's able to work with people at any stage of their professional development. From aspiring artists to people who need to build confidence, communication skills, and branding to those with a project that just needs more exposure or publicity. And um, yeah, the conversation got quite intricate and quite deep. And we spoke about multiple things, including obviously confidence, uh, seeing that he's a confidence coach. We spoke on the benefits of improving your skills and communication and how that is very highly valued by businesses and HR when they are looking for new potential employees. And also as an entrepreneur, how it's a highly valued skill in your industry and that you don't have to take on other people's identity or thought of you when moving forward in life. So yeah, having said that, let's jump into the episode and enjoy. Hi there, Dennis, and welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm super stoked to have you on the show today. And I'm super stoked to be here, sir. How are you today? Excellent. I'm happy. I can even feel the energy and I love it. <laughs> you can feel that? You can feel my purple energy wafting <laughs> through the system to get to you? I can feel it on my side and I'm getting hyped up just where I'm sitting right now and it feels great, man. It feels great right. to be in the presence. There you go. How's your day been? How's your week been? Well, my day is going well so far. My week, uh, it's going pretty well. It's going pretty well, I'll say. Awesome. On my side as well. I, I just want to know, like, uh, how... What does a typical week look like for you? Typically, I would do an introduction beforehand so people generally know what you do, but give, give us a, a typical week of, of Dennis' life. Like, what, is, what does it entail? Well, it entails a whole mess of something, right? <laughs> so I am a communication and mindset coach as well as a podcaster. So basically, my week revolves around those two things. So I have several clients that are in different stages of communication uh, that I coach. Some are doing the interpersonal communication, how to communicate best with others. I have other clients that are working on public speaking. I have a long background in public speaking, and I am a Toastmasters, distinguished Toastmaster, for those who are familiar with Toastmasters. Um, so I have uh, that going on, as well as people who are setting up 
and running their podcasts. And so that it coincides with my communication company. I'm also uh, working on my own podcast as I interview guests and, and things of that nature for my own podcast. And it's about uh, mindset and communicating with yourself. So that's basically what my week looks like, dealing with uh, clients in various areas of communication, uh, working on my podcast, whether it be guests or anything else like that, or spending my time networking, you know, trying to grow my network, meet new people and expand my business. So, you know, that's pretty much in a nutshell what goes on. Awesome. Let's jump onto the clients. Who's your typical client? My typical client, um, actually, for communication, it's men and women, actually. And they are, they come from a, a lot of different backgrounds. So I coach people who are immigrants who need to learn the English language better than they do. So it's more of a conversational English, how to speak to a crowd type of thing. And then I work with people who are entrepreneurs and even public office candidates on communication, giving a speech, delivering your message effectively. I also work with uh, people who are podcasters. Often they are business owners or in the HR uh, area of business, and they want to spread their expertise through the podcast system, which is really all the rave around the world right now. And so my clients come up from a wide range of backgrounds, but th what they all have in common is that they want, they have a message and they want to know the most effective way of delivering that message and the different forms. Awesome. Yeah. I recently actually went into a little bit of research on how to become a more articulate speaker, because I feel like sometimes I struggle to express myself and I did a lot of studying on that and especially coming from a background myself where I was or am still in some cases a lot like I've got a lot of fear around public speaking um, I was that kid you know in class that I couldn't go up to to speak to the class when it was my turn I actually had to go after class and speak to the teacher I had a lot of problems around that and yeah, obviously moving out of uh, into into my adulthood out of school uh, I had to slowly overcome that fear so how do you how do you in your business or in your life how do you get people to come to you i mean it's it's the fear is going to hold you back from from going to someone like you like i would not have gone to a coach because i was too scared to sort of get out of my shell how do you how would you encourage someone to come and work with you to get over that specific fear well people usually come to me because they see a need that they need that they uh, need to build this skill of public speaking. Sometimes they're hesitant, as you said. People, there's a, you know, seventy-five percent of the population has a fear of public speaking. They don't like it. You know, from children to adults, people don't like public speaking. I never had that fear, but most people do. And so people come to me because they know they need that skill. Um, you know, because job recruiters and businesses they value the skill of communication and public speaking. Definitely. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, public speaking is an excellent asset. You know, if you're a teenager getting ready to go to college and beyond, you need those communication skills to give you a, a, um, a leg up in the world that you're about to enter. And so people come to me sometimes hesitantly, but they know they need the skill of communication and public speaking. And so we work together to break some of that fear around public speaking. And how you do that is really, under, first, knowing what you want to speak about. So if you're about to give it a public speaking address, you have to know what you want to speak about at first. Because some people get nervous just because they don't think they know what they're going to be talking about. And so that can be addressed by knowing your topic. Um, another way I help people to uh, quell their fears is to change their mind away from people are going to laugh at me to people support me. Because when you're standing in front of a crowd about to give an address, people aren't just sitting there judging you. They're sitting there waiting for the information you have to offer. They're actually on your side. Um, there's a couple of other tricks while you're giving a speech. So for example, some people are overwhelmed by, let's say, the number of people that are in the room. Let's say there's 100 people in the room. Some people are overwhelmed by that. So when you are uh, on stage or in front of a crowd, instead of thinking of, oh my God, I'm in front of a hundred people, 
paying pay attention to sections of people or one person at a time as you give your speech. Kind of look over here, you know, and then you kind of look over to the other direction and speak to individuals in different parts of the room instead of taking in all 100 people. And so just a couple of mind tricks, a couple of things to keep in mind that often help people calm their nerves before and when they get on stage. Those are just a few examples. So your, your business, as you said, revolves around uh, especially communication and mindsets. I know you've got a business called Core Confidence Life or website rather. Uh, is that around mindsets? Yes. Core Confidence Life is the name of my business. And that's where you find communication, what we were just talking about, where, you know, you can go and hire me for public, you know, public speaking skills or being preparing to set up your podcast and so forth. And that's also where you can find my podcast, which focuses on communication with the self, which is where the mindset comes in. So I am a communication and mindset coach. Awesome. Yeah. So for the listeners out there, if you want to go and check out that podcast, I'm going to link the I'm going to put all the links in the show notes of this episode if you want to go check that out afterwards. There's some super cool episodes in there. And Dennis also expresses a lot of humor in his episodes, which is quite fun to, to listen to. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> just a question on your core confidence life website or business. Um, how did it start out? I typically see businesses that they start because, you know, they have their own struggles in life. I saw that for myself for myself as well. I had a lot of struggles and then I started the business out of that to sort of create my solution for myself. And then later on, I gave or opened that up to, to other people to come and work with me as well. So is that how it started out for you with that business or how did you start this? Actually, the business started out on both ends. The business started out because of my own struggles and it started out because of my own gifts. Awesome. So yeah. Because when it comes to communication with other people, like we were talking about with the public speaking and the podcasting, I, you know, have, I've always had a natural capacity for public speaking and broadcasting. I, I've been loving that since I've been a kid. I like doing voiceovers and I'm going to restart uh, my old audio cartoon I used to do a few years ago where I do all the voices and it's all the special effects. And so I've had a knack for working with my voice basically my whole life. And so because I know that other people have a hard time with that and because it's fun, I wanted mm -hmm. to help other people move along that continuum and get better with communication, public speaking, expressing themselves openly, things like that. And so I feel like I want to pass that gift off to other people. So that's one side. Now, when it comes to the mindset side, communication with the self, that's where you're talking about my own struggles being the impetus for my part of my business, because I have moved through life uh, at times with a low self-esteem, lack of confidence, not really paying attention to my gifts, but really wrapped up in comparing myself to other people, um, really trying to figure out what manhood is all about for myself and all those inside struggles, basically trying to figure out who I am and how I fit in the world. Since I, you know, happen to be a little different than other people around me, I had to work all that out within myself. And through those travels, I have noticed that, you know, other men have gone through the same things. Other men have questioned themselves, looking for a place to fit, figuring out how to feel better about themselves and keep momentum going, lower stress, things like that, things that I struggle with. And so uh, I decided to help other people. Uh, move through those things as I learned it because I, I took up a whole, I took up years and years of study about personal development, human psychology, human sexuality, all of those things in order to help myself move forward and gain a better understanding of who I am. And through me gaining a better understanding of who I am, I've been able to help other uh, people gain a better understanding of who they are. And so, yeah, part of the business came from my gifts and part of them, part of it came from my deficits. I think we sometimes struggle a lot with finding our strengths. I know I used to struggle immensely finding my strengths. And I don't know whether it was because I was perhaps magnifying my weaknesses or whether I just didn't have the self-awareness, but I really struggled a lot. What would you, what would your suggestion be for someone that's struggling to find a strength? Um, 
you know, in to to or in order to put into to some use. You know what's funny about it is that we all are performing in our strengths. We just don't realize it because what happens is your strengths are things that are so natural to you that you don't even know you're doing it. So here's a here's a quick one. Before I entered Toastmasters, which is a international uh, public speaking and leadership organization, before I entered Toastmasters, I did not know what I was doing to be a good speaker. I just was. Um, and Toastmasters actually showed me what I was already doing. I know that sounds a little odd. And so the point of me saying that is you are already performing your strengths, whether you know it or not. So what you do is you write down the things that you do all the time. Like you asked what my, what my week looks like. Uh, ask yourself, what does your week look like? What do you gravitate towards the most? What do you find yourself doing the most? What do you find yourself watching the most as far as interests and hobbies and TV shows and music? Really take an assessment of how you are moving through life. Also, what do people ask you about the most? What do people call you about the most when they're looking for advice or guidance? Pay attention to those things because other people can see your strengths a little bit more obviously than you can because they're not you. So those are just a couple of things. Take an assessment of what you like to do. Take an assessment of what people come to you for and what are you interested in? You know, lay all those things out and see what jumps out at you. That is excellent advice. I love that. And thank you for giving us some practical tips. I love it when, when there's something practical that we can actually put into use because a lot of the times people just listen to a podcast and, you know, they start binging and they go from the one to the other, but nothing happens. I love when there's some, some tool or some tip that we can try and go and, and apply in our own lives to see whether it can make a change or not and whether we can start moving the needle forward. I actually want to take that advice of yours and quickly apply it onto my own life. I think that's what I did a few years ago and I'm still doing daily actually is I started looking at what was interesting to me. Uh, I, like you said uh, before, I always gravitated towards something. And this something to me was one, health. I love health. Two, it is the human mind or psychology. And also third, it was a lot to do. So psychology would also be personal development for me. How do we develop our psyche? And then third was wealth. So I always gravitated towards like wealth, personal development and health. And that's where I'm seeing my brand going. That's where I see myself going towards. I love speaking about those concepts. Obviously, that's what this podcast is also all about. And that just gets me excited. That gets me enthusiastic about things. It gets me, you know, up in the day. It's like, you don't need to remind me of these things. I just want to know more about this. And um, if I want to couple that with, uh, let's say, an occupation, how would I do that? Would I then say, cool, now do I love speaking about it? Do I love writing about, about it? Do I love, like, how would you suggest I have that part? Like, I know what I'm excited about. I know what I'm curious about. How do I link it to an occupation? How do I link it to something of value? You have to, I want to take your example. So let's take health, for example. Um, health is a big topic. So what areas of health do you find yourself uh, gravitating towards? So, um, you know, for example, when I wanted to be a coach, I knew I wanted to help people grow, but I'm not a financial coach. I gravitate more towards the mind and your mindset. So growth is a big word. So when we're talking about you and health, one, what area of health do you see, your gra do you see yourself gravitating towards? What area of health do you want to see people improve in? Um, is there a particular cause you have, maybe a particular disease that you or your family were affected by that really gives you motivation to help others? Is it, is it eating? Is it I mean, they're all going to intersect, but as you know, many people have specialties. Is it the, is it the gym? So what areas of health do you see yourself gravitate, gravitating towards? You know, break all that down and then look at the market, you know, look on uh, Google, do some research, look at where your interests are being practiced. Who, who else is operating in the same interest that you are? What are the opportunities out there for, for your interests and see, and see what the market is wanting, you know, test it out. I love that. Yeah. So basically and to summarize is just be more specific if you, yep. because you said like health is a, a massive topic. Yeah. And health is a massive topic. Personal development is a massive topic, like you were saying, you know, so 
if I say, oh, I want to be in personal development. Well, what does that mean? For me, I've noticed that personal development for me, I gravitate more towards, you know, uh, stress reduction, human sexuality, confidence. Those are the areas of personal growth I gravitate towards. Other people, gravi- yep. other people gravitate towards other areas of personal development. Like there's a whole lot of business coaches out there and marketing coaches out there. Business and marketing is necessary. Those are not the areas I gravitate towards as far as coaching someone. So it all really depends on what area of that broad topic you're gravitating towards. And then how about also answer supporting skills, supporting skills. What other supporting skills can you do very well? Some people are better at speaking. Like I'd rather speak than write. Some people are better at writing. So what are the supporting skills that you have that will support your interest? This is magic advice. <laughs> I'm loving this session. Let's quickly jump on to confidence since that's mm-hmm. in your website name. That's, I think that's one of your, that's like one of your top skills is to teach people about confidence. Let's start from the bottom. Like what is, what is confidence and how do we identify confidence in a person? All right. So there are what I would say, they will say three kinds of confidence. Essentially confidence is the belief that you can do something. That's really all confidence is. It comes in different forms, but it's the belief that you can do something. There's several forms of that. Um, there is what I call situational confidence, where you are confident about your performance in a particular area. Like you are a confident podcaster, for example. But that doesn't mean that you are confident in yourself. It just means you're confident in an activity. Um, then there's a the self-esteem how much do you really like yourself? And then there is what my website is called core confidence, which is the intrinsic belief in yourself as a person, as an individual that goes beyond individual activities and just you as an essential being. And so that's what I uh, coach people in, you know, that's what I help people believe in is themselves as a person, you know, and all of their qualities. Now, how do you tell someone is confident? It's all about how they carry themselves. You know, when I had a low self-esteem and I didn't really believe in myself, people who would see me on stage would never believe that I had a low self-esteem and that I didn't believe in myself. And I constantly compared myself to other people. And I constantly was over, overly critical about everything that I said because I was worried about rejection and all kinds of inner turmoil. But you wouldn't notice that if you saw me on stage because I was a confident speaker. So... If you're feeling on the inside that you are comparing yourself to other people, you're, you're second guessing your decisions, you take a long time in making decisions, um, you're always asking people for advice, even for little things. Um, you, you seem to just appear to not have any faith in your own uh, faculties. That could be a sign of lack of confidence in yourself. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking for opinion or advice or guidance from certain people. But when you if when that's all you do is look outside, uh, then you might have a low level of confidence or self-esteem. And so that's something that we can work on to raise. Excellent. Let's let's jump onto the low confidence topic. Are we would you say we are born with low confidence or just confidence in general? Would you say we are born with it or is it actually like a skill, like a trait that we develop and mature over time? Ah, one of my most frequently asked questions. <laughs> That's right. I get this question all the time. Are we born with confidence or is it just, uh, is it developed? Now, I want the truth. I the, the truth is <laughs> we are all born with different traits, intrinsic different traits. Some people are born with some sort of innate core confidence and others have to work at it and build it a little bit more. I think that we all have the potential to be confident, but we all start out at different parts of the game, just like some people end up to be taller than others, you know? So, so, you, so the answer is, I think that people are born with different levels of it. And the second part of your answer is, I think that we all can build and sharpen our confidence. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's going to add some possibility into that answer because now people that are listening can actually know that it is possible to 
get out of your low confidence and get into a higher state of confidence. Now, you said something interesting. You said that we are, and you're from your opinion, that we are born with different levels of confidence. In your opinion, do you think that is because life wants to teach us different lessons? Well, now we're going into <laughs> a deeper topic <laughs> of, uh, you see, I believe that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes. And so as spiritual beings, we come to this existence with a whole set of gifts and advantages and deficits. Um, and, and, and we're born with these different challenges for a lot of reasons. Those who believe in reincarnation, you could say that we're coming here to learn different lessons through the course of different lives. Um, in general, we are moving towards the goal of being whole, better people. And so we're born with different advantages and deficits to help us complete that whole. Um, so that's pretty much where I'm coming from. So, you, you know, those who are born with a stronger sense of confidence, they may have other challenges they need to deal with in life. And those who are born with a lower level of confidence, maybe that's the lesson in their life to learn how to believe in themselves more. And so we all start out at different parts of the race and we're all trying to make ourselves better in this race. Awesome. Yeah. That's why it's not very, it's, it's not helping or in, in any way that, you know, people compare challenges to others or compare situations to others. We all have, like you said, we come from different angles and we all have our own challenges that we need to deal with. So I see a lot of people, you know, they would always compare one's challenge to another but as you just said we all are here in our own life directions doing what we need to do to get taught some sort of lesson and to grow in our own way and i think that's that's a vital message that i want people to grasp so before we go down that rabbit rabbit hole because that can get quite deep as you know <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um, let's let's pull back to confidence quickly and i want to know why did you choose confidence why out of all the things that was Confidence, the one thing that you gravitated towards, as you mentioned earlier, that we all gravitate towards something, was confidence that thing for you? Like, why has it been your tool of choice to develop? What, what is it about confidence that seems to have this powerful effect on results that we gain in life? Because that I've seen in my own life. Well, that's a very interesting question. To, you want me to be really honest? Yes. Give it to me. Okay. I'll give it to you. <laughs> this business, Core Confidence Life, at this point is technically not named exactly what I had gravitated towards. So, for example, I suffered from a low self, low lack of confidence when I was growing up. I was paying attention to everyone else and not paying attention to my own confidence. And I, I just was discounting my gifts and in, in, in deference to looking at everybody else. And so I thought my problem was low self-esteem and lack of confidence, which it was. But as I uh, moved forward, I discovered that I gravitated towards the whole idea of changing one's whole mindset around. Not just becoming confident, but changing the way you look at life in general, the way you look at other people, the way you look at yourself, the way you look at the course of life. And so that's more of a mindset thing. And so Core confidence, the, the idea of confidence is just one element of mindset. But when I came up with the name Core Confidence Life, um, at the time I was working with a lot of people who really uh, were struggling with confidence. And so I think that my business practice evolved into just dealing with confidence to more of a mindset thing overall. Because I talk to people about lowering stress, we talk about meditation. We, we talk about seeing people differently, you know, from a, from a more spiritual perspective. And that's not exactly how I started out um, when I first started coaching years, years ago. And so I think that my coaching has taken, an evolutionary, has taken an evolutionary growth as I have grown. And so um, it's more about mindset and confidence comes along with that. And so... I don't know if that was an actual clear answer or a muddled one, but there it is. How do we move from mind to body? And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. So sometimes we've got all the power in our mind, right? We, we, like, we, we say all the affirmations, we feel pretty good, you feel power, empowered in your mind, right? You feel the self-narrative is like on target. 
but then how do we move that to the body? So in other words, when, when the situation arises where we, in your case, let's say like a speaker needs to get on stage and you, you choke, like, how do we get, get over that? Cause sometimes I've seen also that in the mind, it's all sorted. You know, I, I have all the information. I know what to do. I feel prepared. I feel, uh, like I feel a good sense of self-worth, but then the situation arises, the experience is here and we retreat. What do we do? All right. <laughs> so first, here's what I would say to somebody who asked me that question, just like you did. First, I would say our mind and our consciousness are two different things. So our mind is not us. Our brain is not us. We are us, our consciousness. So we have the ability to, to learn when to listen to our mind and when not to. And so, you know, when I'm working with someone, we go through all the mind things that we're doing, but we also understand that action is the really true way to sure up your confidence. Because when you take action, you get results. And through a series of results, you will be tested and your confidence will be, will be, uh, uh, built up and, and have built resistance to it. And so, being that we have control over when we listen to our minds and when we don't, we know when not to. So when you're getting on stage and you start overthinking, all right, this is the time when my mind is not serving me. So let's just move forward. So it's about having a higher consciousness about what your mind and brain are thinking, you know? So, you know, our, our brain is sort of like a computer. Our body is sort of like a computer. Our consciousness is what controls everything. And so when you're about to get on stage, you feed yourself positive messages instead of negative ones. These people are on my side. Um, I know what I, you know, I'm, I'm getting on stage, not because I want to be famous, but because I have a message to deliver to other people. I'm getting on stage because this information will help other people. And we learn to turn off our self-critic when we're doing things like that. So it really is about knowing when to listen to yourself knowing when to feed yourself those positive messages and knowing when just to ignore what you're thinking and take action. I think what you just said is very uh, correct from my own perspective as well. It just feels like you need to have a massive amount of self-awareness. Do you agree? Yes. Uh, you have to have self-awareness all the time because that's our consciousness controls everything we do on the planet, not our brain, our consciousness, our soul, our spirit. That goes back to a spirit having a human experience. Our brain is not in control, except for the automatic biological things. But our soul can supersede anything our brain is doing. You generally speak about focusing on strengths, right? And how to improve on them. But you also speak on, or you also speak about acknowledging your weaknesses. Could you elaborate slightly on that? Because I think that acknowledging your strengths as well as acknowledging your weaknesses puts you in a better position to have core confidence because you know what you can do, you know what you can't do, and you know what things you would like to work on because we're not meant to do everything in life. No one person can do everything in life. And so in order to build confidence in ourselves, we have to be realistic about our pluses and our minuses and our potentials. And so the value of knowing what you can't do and being comfortable with that will go a long way in being more confident in who you are as a whole person. It will go a long way in you ceasing this activity of comparing yourself to other people. So um, I spoke to someone recently and, you know, they had a bit of an issue with comparing themselves to people who can write well. Oh, this person can write well. I, I, this person is so cool and I can't write and, and I don't know how to get better at writing. Um, and my first question was, well, are you even interested in writing? Of course, that brought a long silence. <laughs> Turns out that they really were not interested in writing. They just <laughs> felt they needed to write. Why? They didn't have a reason. So what we do sometimes is that we look at other people and we start praising their gifts without realizing that we really don't care. <laughs> so on that, why do we do that? Why do we compare? Why do we get stuck in other people's uh, strengths and their achievements and their celebrations instead of focusing on our strengths and moving towards what we need to move towards? Well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier is that we are, for some reason, don't know our own strengths a lot of times. Mm. We're not focused on what we're strong in. 
And I think that the culture um, that we live under, and you know, I'm in the U.S. You know, I don't know if you were listening to other places and other cultures, but we tend to have a framework on how we want people to turn out, and we kind of ram them through this framework, like the in the United States, the K-12 education. We have all these social standards and and stigmas and thoughts and things and judgments we have over people, and people tend to get distracted. Uh, by those things. I have to fit in. I have to pass this class. I have to meet my parents' approval. I have to meet the teacher's approval. And we spend so much time doing that, that we don't focus enough on what we are strong in and what we are good in. Um, and then we see on top of that, other people having seemingly great luck in what they're doing. Wow. Why can I have that much money? Why can I, why can I have that beautiful woman? And we're not paying attention to how they got it because we don't know. We're looking from a distance. And so the system is not going to really help us figure out what's good about us. The system is designed to create robotic activities to fit into a, a cog or a matrix. It's up to us to elevate our consciousness and really dig deep and to see what we are good in. And once we really accept what we specialize in, and once we understand that we never know anyone else's full story, uh, that awareness alone can help us go a long way. And so I, I think just the nature of living in society, living in a judgmental framework society, distracts many of us from looking at our own strengths. Yeah, uh, that, I think that is fantastic advice. Do you think that these systems or these frameworks that we find ourselves in, or, you know, mostly we are born into these systems or ideas or frameworks, um, do, you feel, do you feel like it, it has a, an effect on our self-esteem sometimes? Absolutely. Uh, these frameworks are filled with different conclusions about things. You know, just to give a quick example, you know, when I was younger, these are just a quick, a quick, quick, lighthearted example, or maybe not so lighthearted, I guess. <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, bring it, bring it. So <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, there were all these different societal thoughts on what a man did and what a man does and what a man looks like and yeah. what a man is supposed to do. So I looked at myself and go, well, I don't fit any of these things. I'm not mm. tall. I'm only 5'8". I'm not tall. I'm not muscular. You know, I'm not particularly into sports. So maybe I'm less than a man. That's what I was thinking when I was a kid. Um, I, you know, I'm not... I'm, you know, I'm not uh, super strong. I don't know. Maybe I'm less than a man. And so I went through a lot of my younger years, maybe teens and early 20s, thinking that I'm not that I must be less than a man because I'm not interested in football. I'm not, I must be less than a man because I'm not constantly, you know, grabbing at women all the time. And so but that's a social construct. That's a social uh, outdated construct of what a man is. A man is not defined by their height, by size of their body parts, by how many women they've been with. That's not what defines a man, but that's what the younger culture would have you believe. And so I had a low self-esteem and lack of confidence because of those judgments and because I didn't fit into that framework. And so I had to get a little bit more conscious about it and go, no, 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 no. What is all this crap? What, what, you know, what is all this garbage? And so through studying and looking at different aspects of life and human psychology and so forth, I started to get a fuller picture on just what a man is instead of these narrow, outdated uh, structures, just to give an example. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool example because I can, I can strongly resonate with you on that. We also, I think it's a world, you know, like it's a worldview. Uh, we have it everywhere where I've been as well. There's a, yeah, like there's a typical way of how we should be or how we should act. And I also didn't tick all the boxes all the time. Or if I tried, then I would feel great for that moment. But then afterwards, I'd regret a lot of things just to fit in. How would you suggest people? get out of that? How do you suggest we don't listen to everything that we hear? Because it's tough, man. I mean, if you don't, if you don't fit, you know, the group view or the group idea or the group culture, then typically you get kicked out. And that's, that doesn't feel good as well. You're right. And it's very hard. And I, I went through my own uh, time where I was trying to fit in with the boys and I knew inside 
that I was trying to hang out with groups of people I really didn't belong in just because yeah. my nature is my nature is different. You can feel when you're you can feel that you're that you're going against your own nature. You can actually feel it on the inside. Definitely. But we dis yep, but we dismiss it because hey, we're getting popular. Hey, the the cool guy likes us, so whatever. Um, but what I have learned to do just in my life is question everything that I hear from outside sources. Oh, well, a real man is six feet tall. Well, really? How? Why? So I say, I start saying why to everything. You know, why is this? Why do we have to listen to this? Why does that make a man? What difference does that make? So every time I come up with a judgment or a conclusion about myself, um, and every time I hear a judgment by somebody else, I question it. Well, why? Where'd you get that from? How does that make sense? Does that really apply to me? I also, I try and question a lot of things, although people don't always enjoy <laughs> when I start questioning everything, you know, it, it's going against the, the current, but I, I don't know. That's how I also want to lead my life and hopefully inspire others. And I feel that you do the same. And I, I think that's also what brought us together. It's, you know, that's being connected uh, more than just on a physical plane. So I love that you just shared that with us. I think a lot of people can resonate with that. So, um, so the next question is something that has got to do with your impairment. So for those that don't know, Dennis is visually impaired. And so this question has got to do with that. Has it added, added any meaning to your life specifically? I ask this because I typically experience people who, you know, when they lose something, now they suddenly start showing gratitude for it because they took it for granted earlier. You know, now there's gratitude and kindness and compassion for whatever happened to them. So I just want to know, how has your situation added meaning to your life, even if it did? Very, very interesting. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of ways I could answer this question. I'll try not to be all over the place. I was, I, I've, I've been blind for most of my life, so it, I didn't necessarily have time to take sight for granted because I was went blind most of my life. So, so here's the two things that I think I got from being blind. One, I think that it may have saved me from going down the wrong road because I'm very aware of the different sides of myself. Because we all have different sides of ourselves. We have our best side. We have our shadow side. We have all different kinds of sides. Very true. And so I'm aware of the flip side of my personality. And I think that being blind has prevented me from acquiescing to the flip side of my personality. Um, I think it's made me slow down, not all the time, but slow down and be more careful about what what I do and what I get involved with and where I go. It's just made me, it makes me more conscious because, you know, the, my flip side is, is, is interesting. <laughs> so I think that's one thing that it did. Another thing that it did is make me question everything. That's where I got my idea of questioning things and not listening to the status quo. Because when you are disabled, everybody else thinks they know better than you about you. When you are disabled, everybody has a stereotype of what you should be and how your life should be. And so many people aren't actually looking out for you. They're trying to take care of you and protect you and just, you know, whatever, because they think that you're blind, you can't do anything, you're not going to be able to have a real life, you're not going to be have a life, which is not true, but that's what people think. Yeah, that's a typical and stereotype. Exactly. So once I, once I saw that people weren't actually... They weren't actually looking out for me. They were looking out for the stereotype of blindness that I presented. I started to realize that I can't listen to the status quo. I can't listen to what people think I should do. I can't listen to what the world says I should be. I have to do this on my own. I have to stand up on my own feet and define who I am for myself and move forward and screw who doesn't like it. Because if I let people run my life, then I won't have one. And so I think that by being blind and having to deal with the public who largely thinks they know better than I do about me, um, I needed to find the strength to reject that and forge my own path. So it's given me the power to uh, dissent <laughs> from <laughs> society's issues and depending on what area we're talking about, really not care what they think. Yeah, I think that actually helped build a lot of 
your current confidence, uh, your mental stamina, and also a lot of your, I think, resilience that you have. I, I just think that that helped with that. And seeing that we, we're speaking about people that form, you know, their own opinions of us. Um, you know, they have their view of us in the world. I think it's such a tough place to be in, you know, to be on the other side of that, to be, you know, have this label placed on you. What is your advice for people that are there? Um, is it also just, has it got to do with self-worth? Has it got to do with self-esteem and belief and how you view yourself and knowing who you are at the deepest part? Yeah, you, you really, when you're, when you're disabled or different, you know, it is, this doesn't have to be with disabled. It could be anything. You could be, you could be gay. You could be trans. You could be disabled. It does any time that you are faced with society who wants to shun you or think they know better than you about you. You really got to get to know yourself as an individual, get to build up your own identity within yourself. You really got to do, because if you don't, You'll, you'll get taken down so fast even before you know it. If you don't have a solid sense of self, and I had to build that, a solid sense that people still do this to me. I'm grown, you know, I'm, I'm moving through life and I can go out right now and people will still cast their judgments on me. And so I can't let that shake me. I can't. Or else How long I won't, does it take? I, I won't, it takes... It can take years. Um, it's sometimes it's, it's an ongoing thing, depending on what people say. But what I will say is um, understand that you don't have to take on somebody else's thoughts or emotions about you. Beautiful. That's the one thing I would say, you know, because I could babble all day about this and a lot of it will sound scattered and splattered. Yeah. But the one clear thing I could say is remember that you do not have to take on somebody else's thoughts of you. Yes, you don't have so to take true. on, yep, you don't have to take on somebody else's created identity of you. So when they're treating you bad, when they're thinking they're no better than you, than you, when they're uh, throwing hate or dislike or fear your way, you don't have to take on their emotions and their thoughts. You just try your best to stay within your own identity and don't let them drag you down. In fact, make them acquiesce to your good energy. Sometimes that's easier said than done, but, you know, be so much of a solid person within you that they've got to take on your energy instead of you taking on theirs. Yeah, I, f I feel like that's, that's such deep advice, but it's so true, you know. Um, I feel like people including myself and everyone else, I'll speak for everyone, is we can definitely take the responsibility for our thoughts and our, our identity and, you know, restructure ourselves and stay in our lane in, in a way where we can move forward strongly without being influenced uh, by outer thoughts or narratives, you know, especially if it's something that's disempowering to us at the end of the day, because we are all striving, I'm sure, towards some form of happiness, some form of joy and contentment. And I don't know what your view is on that, but I feel like we can we can definitely take responsibility for for who we are, regardless of what people think. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm not saying this stuff is easy. Don't you know? I don't want to make it seem like oh, well, Dennis has it all figured out. He's just yeah. a great, confident. No, I don't have it all figured out. And yes, I do have bad days sometimes. So we're, like we're just talking about, sometimes I could leave my house in a, you know, pretty good mood and blah, blah, blah. I'll go outside and somebody will say something dumb. What are you doing out here by yourself? Um, hold the banister while going down the stairs. Oh my goodness. Like they'll start flipping out and sometimes that will offset me. I'm not perfect. Yeah. But the, the important part is to be able to recenter yourself. So I've learned now, okay, whatever, I, whatever goes on outside, don't bring that back home with me. Whatever... Right whatever underestimations that are people uh, that are that people are flinging at me outside just don't bring that back in my house with me um and so just recenter myself which is why i think meditation is extremely important uh it's important anyway but when especially with this topic we're talking about being able to keep yourself centered and grounded in your own identity being able to have downtime being able to have meditation time quiet time journaling time to express your thoughts and feelings on paper, even if no one sees it. So being able to have those outlets that personal therapy will help in 
your uh, role and your path to stay grounded in who you are. Yeah, meditation has been a tool that has been echoed throughout all my episodes uh, for myself as well. I love it as a tool to just sit down and be with myself and my own thoughts and set up my own day. Uh, so that's this has all got to do with like the inner work, you know, how we how we think and who we are and stuff. But when it comes to the out, outer actions and experiences, I feel there's also a part to that which we can deal with. Like, a, I think a simple example in my own life would be to just set up my day and prepared in such a way that I am prepared for that day. And that makes me more confident. Do you think there are other ways to be more confident looking at it from an external view? Well, absolutely. Like you just mentioned, making sure your day, like, you know, for example, your work day, writing down or getting in mind what you're going to tackle for that day. Um, that definitely does help. I actually do find that meditation does help when it comes to outer activities, mm. because when I am more calm and centered and less reactive to the world around me, I can take action easier That's because true. I'm centered. And I start out my day with meditation and I'm shocked sometimes. Well, not anymore, but I used to be shocked at how well that worked for me, just yeah. calm and quiet. And that enables me to take action without second guessing myself, without being as vulnerable to being upset about rejection, um, without allowing other people's energies to wipe off on me like dirty hands. Um, so meditation may sound like inner work, and it is, but it clears the way for you to do this outer action with less, uh, with less uh, disruption from the inside. Um, and when you start your day with meditation, you often find that you don't even have to try to brush off the dirt during the day. It just kind of doesn't stick. It's like you're more Teflon. And so not only you're talking about specific outer actions, such as making lists and carrying them out, having a checklist, um, rewarding yourself for small goals, you know, things like that. But yeah, even the inner work and the inner calm you get from meditation and journal writing will help you take inspired action without all the maintenance involved, where you're not disinfecting yourself every moment, you just kind of a Teflon. Like, all right, you know, just move on. This person said this, okay, whatever, just move on. And so, yeah, I think that goes a long way for outer work too. So while we're on the topic of, of what you do in the morning, what, what is your morning routine? Do you have such a thing? I do have such a thing. Um, I like to get up early. Uh, some people, you know, the, the times are different depending on their work schedule and so forth. What time do you get up? 5.30 to 6. Nice. Yeah, 5.36 in the morning. I get up, you know, you, know, you kind of lay around a little bit, but I get up, I get in the shower, um, and then I take what, you know, a mindful shower, paying attention. I start my meditation practice in the shower, like mindful showers, like paying attention to wow. the water, how I feel in the water, the heat of the water, how the water feels on my body, how I feel washing my body, that whole thing. Interesting. Just allow my, allow my thoughts to just kind of move along the way they're going to move. And then I come out and um, I start my meditation practice. I sit there and do, I do it with no clothes on. Um, and I do breathing exercises, breathing in through the nose, four seconds out through the mouth. I, it's quiet in my household. And so I do breathing exercises. I do what's called a body scan, which is bring my consciousness towards different parts of my body. I do what's called silent therapy, which is sitting in total silence, focusing on the silence, allowing my mind to be absolutely still. And so I run through a lot of these practices. Sometimes I might do journal writing afterwards. I make sure when I first get up to have a drink of water, always drink water when you first get up. Don't put any of that sugar or other toxins in your body first thing in the morning. It's water. Health tip. Um, that's right. Health tip. Um, <laughs> also, another, another health tip. Make <laughs> sure you have some protein in the morning. I have scrambled eggs. My typical, what I call manly breakfast. Scrambled eggs, a stack of pancakes, you know, maybe, maybe water, maybe the, the orange juice or whatever it is. Bacon, whatever it is. Protein. Get protein to start your day. So that's just a general idea of what I do in the morning. Lovely. I, I love my morning routine as well. I also do meditation in the morning. My only, dif only difference from mine to yours is I don't take a shower beforehand. I typically shower whenever I, I don't know, I feel I need to shower, but, and I also do, don't sit naked. 
I haven't tried that before. I think it's because it's super cold, <laughs> but it's probably something you deal with in a way, I guess. It's like you just sit with your body, whether it's cold, you, you like train your mind in a way. Why do you, I know we, we, we're moving like towards the end, but I just want to know like, why do you sit naked? That's so interesting. Like I want to try it now, but it's so flipping cold. New, because, well, nudity is a, is a natural state. We were all born nude. Yeah. But we, we have a stigma against being nude for, for societal reasons, but we mm. were all born that way. That is our natural state. So for me, I'm all about cutting out the middleman. And so when I'm meditating, I want to do it naturally. I want to do it nude. So I'm, a, so I'm, I'm available for all the incoming uh, spiritual benefits as opposed to being nude. I just like being nude. I like my body. I like being nude. I think it's healthy uh, for a lot of different reasons. It's, it's, you know, it gives your body a chance to air out. It gives the areas that are normally covered a chance to get some air. I just think it's a kind of empowering thing. And if you have a low self-esteem about your appearance, nudity helps you get comfortable with your body. Um, so a lot of people don't like the way they appear. They don't like their weight. They don't like, you know, certain body part sizes. And when you are nude, that helps you feel more comfortable and natural in your own skin. Um, so there's a lot of little subliminal benefits to being nude. Um, I just don't think clothes are always necessary unless you're going out. Mm, cool. You've converted me. I'm going to try it tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and it just, you know, and a lot of people just put a lot of thought, oh my God, I'm nude. Um, just, just. So you're new. Just come out and do Whatever. what you normally do. Just just be like it. Once you think nudity is natural, it will be natural. As a as a last question, I think this has been an amazing discussion and conversation so far. What is? I want to leave people with something when they go. Obviously, you've given some practical tips which I've loved. Uh, but as like one last remaining thought, what is the one like non-negotiable belief in your opinion? that the listeners can install in their brains, in their minds, since you're the mindset coach, what is that one non-negotiable belief that they can use to just step forward today and create more possibility in their own life? It is my favorite, my favorite phrase. It may sound arrogant, but it really isn't because it's true for all of us. Give it to us. You have the final say in virtually everything. That's it. You have the final say. You have the final say with who you believe. You have the final say in what you believe. You have the final say in how you feel after something happens to you. You have the final say in everything you do. And so take control of your life. Own your life because you have the final say. That is awesome. It feels like that sentence or that quote just wrapped up the entire show because I just like my mind went to the stage, you know, if you get up, you have the final say. It's like you get up there, your mind is chatting to you and starting to destroy you. And you're like, no, I have the final say. I'm comfortable up, up on stage. I'm comfortable speaking. And also when someone says something to you, um, you know, coming from their own point of view, but it's disempowering or, or it's, it's they out to hurt you, then you're, you just say to yourself, I have the final say. I think it's such an empowering and yeah, awesome belief. So thank you for that. And uh, yeah, that's that's the close. Uh, Dennis, thank you for, I think, your sense of humor, your, your ability to be optimistic and just exceeding expectations and living with zeal regardless of your impairments. I really expect, uh, respect and admire your, your, just your willingness, your passion and your desire to help others out there. Thank you. It was great being on the show, sharing things with people. And yes, I love that line. You will, oh, you will have the final say. I use that line all the time. And maybe some people who don't understand what that means may think I sound like I'm arrogant. But no, they don't understand that it's for them too. That's it for today. And um, cheers, guys. And that's about it for this episode. I hope that you got some value out of that and that you may be able to Get some more confidence in your own life and develop your own confidence going forward, seeing that it's such a valuable and highly needed skill for anyone wanting to have more belief in themselves and just move forward in life. Please remember that the things that you learn in my shows or in the episodes is to I actually want you to take it and put it into practice so that you can make a shift and be your own catalyst in your life. It's, it's absolutely necessary to act on what you learn, so please don't 
just let it uh, pass by and do nothing about it. So having said that, if you liked this episode, get in touch. Uh, you can you can email me. So it's info at exploringpossibility.ca.za. You can also get in touch via the Instagram profile, which is also at Exploring Possibility. And then there's also the Facebook community that I spoke about in the intro of this episode, which we will use to delve into topics a little bit deeper. So let me know what part of this episode was your favorite. That's your call to action for today. And then, yeah, all other links to Dennis will be found in the show notes. And the show notes can be found via my website, exploringpossibility.co.za, where you see all the people mentioned, the key takeaways, all questions asked, and just a little bit more value towards the episode. So yeah, I'll... I hope that you guys liked it and I'll see you in the next episode of Exploring Possibility and remember, don't be afraid to explore and find the possibility.